You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here with you guys, and we are on the clock. The journey to the 2024 NFL Draft has really begun. It's really going to start to hit when college football begins in just a few days. Week zero will get underway Saturday. That's exciting for sure. And then we have the full slate on Labor Day weekend couple interesting games for sure in terms of draft prospects. I know Notre Dame's getting underway against Navy in Ireland, I believe. Obviously be able to see Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, the tackles in that contest. And Caleb Williams at USC. They are playing later on Saturday on the Pac-12 network. Super cool that they are not on TV. Maybe that's why the Pac-12 isn't doing so hot right about now. But I digress. Not here to talk about conference realignment. We are here to talk about the draft. We've had a couple episodes of the offensive side of the ball. We've gone through some tackles, right? We've gone through some running backs, Ohio State receivers. We talked about Brock Bowers. We've talked about the top two QBs. Now we're going to shift over to the defensive side of the ball before we get to full previews. Want to snapshot a plethora of these guys on defense. Uh, Several edge rushers. It's a really fascinating class at edge rusher. I think you'll find that a lot of the edge rushers have something in common. We'll talk about a defensive tackle, and we've got a few corners as well to discuss in this one. So without further ado, let's begin with Florida State pass rusher, edge defender, whatever you'd like to call him, Jared Verse. And 6'4", 260, he's listed at PFF. Uh, Dane Brugger at the Athletic lists him at 6'3", 252. I'd lean towards Brugler's numbers. Uh, PFF's probably just inputting what they have in their uh, on the team sites. So probably not going to be as accurate. But I will say, Jared Verse, no matter what the weight class is, he's going to be on the lighter side, especially, you know, in terms of what the Packers like, but other teams obviously are going to be very, very much in on on verse and his skill set. Why is that? Well, let's get into the numbers first. We'll talk the scouting report second. Obviously, Jared Verse coming over from Albany, two seasons there, had a whopping 53 pressures in two seasons, had 36 in his final year at Albany, graded out very well in the 80s on defense and in the 80s in terms of pass rush grade. Comes over to Florida State, has 36 pressures and nine sacks, uh, 26 stops. So picking up where he left off and jumping up significantly in terms of competition, didn't really skip a beat. And 84, 82.4, sorry, grade on defense, 72.1 run defense grade, 38.9 tackling grade and 88.6 pass rush grade. His missed tackle percentage is 27.3%, 12 missed tackles, 
not great in that department. And it definitely shows. There's no doubt about it. Uh, what else to look for is the pass rush productivity metric that PFF uses. Jared Verse scores a 12.6 in that metric. For reference, last year's crop of pass rushers, Tyree Wilson had a 12.0. Will Anderson played a lot of 4i, still had a 10.9. So Verse clears those two from last season in terms of pass rush productivity. And when you look at his game, you can see why he is the consensus edge one, and I think he will be my edge one as well. Verse has the first step explosiveness to win around the edge. He has the first step explosiveness to threaten inside and attack gaps, shoot gaps when he needs to to defend the run or to pressure the quarterback. But what really makes him interesting is how he uses power and how the reputation for power gives him the ability to win in a variety of ways, and he's really got an expansive toolbox. So Verse had seven pressures against LSU. That's a whopping number. Graded out his second best game overall against them. You would think you know the best grades come against the worst competition, and his best grade did come against Duquesne, so there is that. But dominated the LSU game because he had extremely powerful hand usage and extremely effective hand usage. And, you know, when you can generate really good pop in your hands and they're in the right spot to generate leverage, get tackles off balance, you know, send them back into the pocket and then counter off of that bull rush into other things, the rip, the club, arm over, double hand swipe, what have you. He's got all of those moves and he can go to them at any time. He definitely sets people up with explosion to power, and he often will work with some choppy steps to kind of maybe do the whole like fill you out type of thing that that boxers often do. And when he gets a sense of of you know where he almost wants to direct you in terms of where he wants tackles to go, he works off that really well. He also is really reactive in terms of how tackles are setting and, and, and where he can attack. But yeah, I think it really comes down to the contact phase with Verse. And when he's setting you up pre-contact phase, that's all well and good. That's really good to, to see. That's advanced. But when he gets to contact phase, it's either driving you back or you know, it's, it's feigning that, that move. It's feigning the bull rush that, that gives him the opportunity to either win the edge or you know, get to counter moves. He can he can get to the quarterback in a variety of ways, and that's going to translate. He's going to be successful doing that. When it comes to the tackling part of things, obviously that needs work. He has to finish sacks. He has to finish in open space. But I think everything else in the profile is really good. When it comes to run defense, I think you see a guy with plenty of burst and explosiveness to close in backside pursuit and to pursue you know the run game when he's setting the edge if somebody tries to bounce it outside he's got that sort of change of direction and explosiveness to handle the run game but he's also powerful enough to sit and leverage his gap to really crash the tackle inside to either get that linebacker to replace on the outside or to let the linebacker fill uh, in the cutback lane where when he forces running backs to cut back. So the run defense, I think, is is pretty strong. He graded it in the 70s. That's, that's fine. I think he does a pretty good job overall. But it really comes down to how advanced he is at getting to the quarterback. And if he can clean up the tackling a little bit, I think he's going to potentially be a top five pick and, and might be one of those Arizona Cardinals selections I know there's a lot of talk about them taking Caleb Williams already. You know, if Kyler Murray comes back and he looks good, I, I don't imagine they're going to just necessarily move on. Should they is another question, of course, but Verse is probably going to go high. I think he puts together another strong season. I, I think we could see 40-plus pressures, and I think we see double-digit sacks as long as he finishes. That's that's really the big thing with him. And like I said, he's got, he's got all the moves in the toolbox. He's got, you know, powerful hands, violent hands. 
but is coordinated in how he can attack. So Jared Verse, really impressed with him. And once again, Florida State opens up against LSU. Probably must-see TV. Seven pressures last time. Let's see what he can do this time in primetime once again. So next on the list is going to be Braylon Trice from Washington. Now, PFF has him listed at 6'4", 274. My guess is he's around there. Uh, He might be more in the upper 260s. But he's a big pass rusher, and uh, we'll get to the numbers now with him. Last year graded out as an 88.5, 65.4 run defense, 38.5 tackling grade. You noticing the trend a little bit here. 91.3 pass rush grade and 82.6 coverage grade. He definitely dropped into coverage a decent bit from the edge, which I thought was interesting, And, and you see the fluidity and the movement skills with him. To change direction, you know, if, if go tackle, go pursue the check down option, he, he does that pretty well. Last year, 70 pressures, 9 sacks, 16 stops, did have 14 missed tackles for a missed tackle rate of 32.6%. Like I said, you know, I, I it, it, a lot of these guys just really aren't aren't finishing and tackling very well, and that's that's concerning. His pass rush productivity number is twelve point six, like Jared versus, so unsurprising there. Had legitimately not making this up eighteen pressures in one game against Washington State. I haven't seen that film. I'm going to potentially go find that uh, when I get done with a lot of the other guys that I haven't gotten to yet, just to see that game. Uh, he had 11 against Cal. So two games with double-digit pressures, which is just absolutely nutty. Really impressed with his game. I think when you look at Braylon Trice, you see the power as well that that he brings. He's not someone who's going to hit the spot in terms of trimming the edge very often. He's not the uber-flexible bender-on-the-edge player. He really has to land, I think, the long arm if he's going to trim that outside arc a little bit and work to the quarterback. I think he's really at his best when he gets to the club and the arm over or he just gets to the bull rush. He does have some swipes and some counters. He can double hand swipe counter, which is pretty effective. Did that to the Oregon tackle once where he's working uh, he's working the arm over. It doesn't work. He kind of chops and then double hand swipes, and the tackle's really out of position. Really impressed with that. He's got the high motor and, and definitely has the pop in his hands. I think he's just as probably as powerful or even more powerful than Verse in terms of setting the edge. I think he does a great job. I'm kind of surprised the run defense grade was that low, if I'm being totally honest. So... What else we see with him? I do think there's strong change of direction athleticism. He, he can definitely work that that Euro step that sort of kind of set people up with the jab. I think he does a great job with jabbing and then getting to that arm over. Gets that tackle to overset just a little bit much before he wins inside. That's really a go-to for him, like I said. And you see him kick inside a decent bit to run some games and stunts with Washington. He definitely got plenty of attention. There, there's a lot of times where the guard is really really attuned to what Trice is doing, and he's helping the tackle whenever possible. They're giving the running back chances to go chip him. So he's he's getting a lot of attention, and yet still he's putting up you know monstrous numbers. I mean, Oregon threw everything at him. They, they really did. They're throwing two linemen at him. They were throwing tight ends, running backs at him, and he still had six pressures in the game. That's still a good number, and the grade was – Decent, you know, a 75-grade pass rushing, that's that's solid. And and like I said, they were throwing doubles at him. They were doing everything they could to stop him, and it just it didn't quite work. Like I said, he flashes the long arm. I'm trying to see what else I have in the notes here. He, obviously, the tackling, right? That's the other big part of this as well, verse and trice. That's kind of why I started with both of them. They're really similar in terms of just not finishing. And he does kind of play a little bit out of control. He has the high motor which is good, but I think he 
can can overwhelm with power at times where he's just trying so hard to overwhelm with the bull rush of the long arm that he can lose balance, get snatched. Some tackles can can kind of uno reverse him a little bit and bury him. So he, he just needs to play a little more under control, a little more balanced. But the results are speaking for themselves on paper right now with Trice. And and he terrorized the Pac-12. I imagine it happens again with Trice. I don't imagine that verse get I don't think Verse will get out of the top ten, and I don't think Trice gets out of, I don't know, top twenty, top twenty-five when we when next April rolls around. I think he's that effective and like I said I I disagree a little bit with PFF in terms of the run defense I think he looks pretty strong there and setting a strong edge so kind of surprised uh yeah so verse Trice verse and Trice excuse me are two players I really like and I'm a little bit higher on Trice than I think the consensus is at this point which is very interesting uh so we're gonna go and shift gears a little bit in terms of the conference um, we're going to actually go to an edge rusher but we're going to go to a corner because our play for the same team here that's not this that's not the last time we'll have that uh, we're going to go to Alabama and I want to talk about I want to talk about Dallas Turner for a second here I think obviously he got attention very early uh, in his career we were when we were talking about Will Anderson as a sophomore. You could see Dallas Turner making a, a splash, some some splash plays as a freshman, and the freshman numbers were kind of meh, to be honest. Uh, in twenty twenty one, he had a sixty six grade. Um, his pass rush grade was in the 66 range. He had an 84.2 tackling grade, though, which is pretty good. His run defense is 71 in 2021 and 71.4 in 2022. I'll read off the full 2022 numbers here. Had a 73.1 grade. It's pretty meh. 71.4, like I said, against the run. 69.1 tackling. And if you take out two games against LSU and Mississippi, where he had 45 and 40, I imagine that tackling grade could potentially be in the 80s again. So just a couple bad games of missed tackles. 73.7 pass rush grade, not bad, not exceptional. And then a 68.7 coverage grade. Had 37 pressures, 5 sacks, 22 stops. Last season, he is a little bit smaller at 6'4", 242. So that's, that's something to watch for. Uh, he is on the smaller side. Anderson was in this range as well at, at 240. So I do think that is something where he might not be for everybody, right? Where you, you have teams like the Packers who really don't dive in too much to players with this type of size. Now, he could obviously add weight, and, and that could that could really change things. But we have to uh, we have to see that. Like I said, 4.5% missed tackle rate in 21. That's really good. It jumped up to 11 this past year. Something to obviously monitor. Uh, last year had 25 uh, pressures and, and nine sacks. He actually had more sacks as a freshman than a sophomore. But again, I think there's there's a lot to work with. Also, one last stat in that pass rush productivity metric. He only scored a 7.3. Significantly lower than that of verse and Trice. Now Dallas Turner plays a different game than the than the previous two that we mentioned. Dallas Turner is explosive, flexible, has that burst. He's a win around the edge type. He's going to be able to bend. He's going to be able to win around. Inside moves are easy for him. I'm I'm really impressed with how he can set up the inside move. And how really it's it's very hard for tackles to stop that just the just the speed rush around the edge. It 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 really takes your quick sets, it really takes a good outside arm to handle him around the edge. He's just he just being faster and twitchier and more explosive than everybody you're facing gives you an immediate advantage and and that's why he is being talked about as a top 10 player right now 
and maybe why you know you you hear all that stuff and you go look at maybe the grades and you're like wow this is really disappointing and it's like yeah from snap to snap and and over the course of the season was he as consistent at generating pressure as some of the others no he wasn't uh but not many guys have the ability to to bend and to cross the face with the inside move that Turner has as I've already mentioned so I think with with Turner I actually think I don't know how much length he has in the arms but it feels like he's got enough to where if he's low and and leveraged he can generate some pop whether it be against the run or as a rusher I noticed that quite a bit he's got incredible range defending the run front side or backside Uh, he can chase things down easily and you know when when he's sort of maybe crashing uh, on a run play and it gets and it gets to the outside gets the perimeter he's really good at flipping the hips and chasing guys down I think there's enough to work with explosion to power wise I think he's he's shown that a little bit it's not as consistent as his obviously go-to stuff winning with that twitch and athleticism but it is there and yeah, I think you notice a player who I think has obviously the best best football ahead of him. I would be pretty shocked if he wasn't a first-round pick. He obviously just needs to add more to the frame, and that's that's very clear, of course. But overall, like I think the run game has to get a little bit better. He's obviously loves to be the gap shooter instead of the edge setter. You have to be able to get in the way. You have to be able to hold your gap somehow. And there, like I said, there are flashes where he's generating good extension at the point of attack. But it, it needs to, it, it's just everything really, if, if there's a weakness besides adding weight uh, to his frame, it's consistency. It's just show me that you are consistent on all three downs as a defensive end outside linebacker depending on scheme to be a high top of the first round top half of the first round top 10 pick like you have to show me that will he go in the first round i think so just because i think the testing will be out of this world agility wise the three cones probably going to be really really good i imagine he'll jump well so the athletic testing is going to show you a an impressive player with with limitless athleticism and really no limitations in, in in getting to the quarterback. It's just about how can you be more consistent with your hands to counter? Can you add weight? Can you anchor against the run? Can you do it consistently? Everything's got to be consistent. And and I will say there were like the pass rushing grades are consistently in the sixties which that type of consistency is maybe not what we want. So I I do think Turner has, again, so much um, packed up athleticism and the rocked up twitch gives him a trump card, which is good. Just add more trump cards to, to the deck and we are really working with something here. Now, I want to get to this guy for sure. I, I really... Like what I saw. And uh, by the way, for Dallas Turner, if, if people were wondering, his best game, besides the Utah State doesn't count competition type of thing, would be Texas A&M. Uh, he was a 70.5 pass rushing grade, but has 77.4 tackling, 74.6 coverage, 69.9 run defense. So that was his best game sort of across the board, well-rounded. His best pass rushing grade was against was against Utah State, and actually his second best was against Texas A&M. So had some games in the 70s in terms of run defense against Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt. Again, not including the games against Louisiana Monroe and Utah State. So there is that. But uh, as we continue... We're going to stay at Bama, like I said, uh, for the last of the first four, I guess. And we have a lot more, actually. I think we have five more, six more. So maybe maybe we'll have one more before the break after this guy. 
Uh, let's get to Kool-Aid McKinstry, who I think is going to be my top corner going into the season. And for McKinstry, uh, the numbers on him, 6'1", 195, had an 82.5 grade last season, a 79.2 grade against the run, 75.2 tackling, 81.2 coverage grade, one interception, 16 pass breakups, and a 59.7 rating when targeted. So pretty strong numbers across the board. Uh, The grades are pretty good. Uh, He did have three bad tackling games at the end of the season. Very strange. It just completely dropped off from upper 70s and 80s. Very weird. Uh, But the coverage grades were pretty consistent. And he, he definitely made jumps in terms of overall grade and coverage grade from his freshman season in 2021. So that's good. His missed tackle rate is 10%, but if you take off the last three games, it is zero. Zero missed tackles until week 12 against Austin P. So very interesting little stat there. His best game uh is it's really interesting because In terms of like run defense plus tackling, it's Texas, but Texas was the worst coverage grade. Had some reps against Xavier Worthy. Mm, Didn't look the best, but his, I would say his best game that I watched would probably be, it would still be Texas, but I think LSU's was pretty good uh, in terms of coverage. I think Arkansas's was also pretty good. In terms of coverage, but LSU's I'm going to give the edge to because he had to face Malik Neighbors and Keishon Booty. So I I think I thought he did pretty well in those games. Uh, I watched five: Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn. So what you see from McKinstry, uh, he has the length, the length to be a press man corner, the length to disrupt timing disrupt releases to really challenge guys immediately and frustrate them often get them off their stem get them off the path they need to be on if they're working inside stem drive them hard to the inside create route spacing issues and if they're outside squeeze them to the sideline but also if he's if he's in more soft presser bail technique he can flip the hips and turn and run with anyone, anybody. He has the he has tremendous functional athleticism to change direction, to work, you know, to sink the hips, change direction, get downhill and after running vertically, you know, to be able to kind of pedal and get out of the pedal, close downhill, that change of direction, that explosiveness to close is there. And as long as he is in phase and comfortable, he has obviously the length to challenge any catch radius, the length and physicality to challenge the catch point. He is comfortable when he's in phase. But if he gets out of position, it's interesting because I think he kind of panics when he's out of position. And what I mean is he he doesn't trust the combo that he possesses sometimes and in terms of the recovery athleticism plus the ball skills and um, catch point disruption. So there'll be times where he gets, and he doesn't have a lot of penalties, but it came up in games that I watched, funny enough, because he only has four penalties on the season, but two of them against Texas, and one of them, I think, was against, oh, maybe it wasn't Tennessee. I thought it was, but I guess not. They must have picked it up because I thought they threw one against him. So maybe they picked up the penalty. Um, But it seemed like when he was out of phase and and, and didn't trust himself to recover, he kind of just sort of ran over the guy at the catch point and and just really didn't feel comfortable playing the defender. Uh, But I do think he can, when he's in phase, I think he he gets good eyes on the ball and obviously has the physicality to do so. I think as long as he doesn't get high hipped and and get 
and stay upright in transition, he does. He he won't have issues. If he does do that, which comes up a little bit, then we have the issues with transitional quickness. It's not where it needs to be. He's giving up some some bigger uh, plays in the passing game. The curl routes are kind of getting him a little bit where he's not transitioning the best. So that's certainly there. But I just think like when he's a little bit out of phase, he gets a little panicky. And that's where it can lead to arriving early. But he has all the recovery athleticism in the world. So athletic traits plus catch point disruption plus he had uh, what he had. It's pretty consistent across the board, actually. But he had three pass breakups against both Mississippi State and Arkansas. So pretty strong job there. Again, eight, 16 pass breakups is no accident. He's being challenged, and he's stepping up to said challenge, which is very good. So McKinstry, again, athleticism-wise, excellent. Catch point disruption, excellent. He does do a great job, I think, slipping under blocks and making tackles near the line of scrimmage. He'll tackle near the line of scrimmage as well on screens, get out there. Any quick hitters, he wraps up pretty quickly. So McKinstry has it all. I think it's just, you know, don't get – don't stand upright and don't panic if you get kind of behind the eight ball. And I think he'll be in good shape. Uh, let's do one more before the break here. Uh, let's do let's do my guy here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Jerzon Newton, Johnny Newton uh, from Illinois, defensive tackle, 6'2", 295. And it was really a breakout that not many were expecting, I think. You see... 2021 the grade was uh, pretty low uh pff is not loading for me right now so i'll talk about the the 2022 season first that i actually have written down he had a 91.5 grade 91.9 run defense grade run defense grade was exceptional uh 72.2 tackling grade which if you take three of the worst games out it gets a lot higher 84.7 pass rush grade and a 67.8 coverage grade now his best games were against chattanooga can kind of throw that one out there um he had he had eight pressures in the chattanooga game by the way so his best his best two games after that would be against i think sometimes it cuts these rows off and i can't see the numbers uh yeah his next Two games, Michigan State had an 89, and then Wisconsin an 83.6, had an 83.4 against Mississippi State. So 59 pressures, four sacks, really impressive numbers there. 36 stops, five missed tackles for an 8.6 rate. Honestly, I'd be really interested to see what his pass rush productivity number is. I didn't write it down because he's a defensive tackle. I wasn't thinking about it, but it'll definitely be in uh, the rankings I'll drop next week. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah, 10 pressures against Indiana, by the way. Really impressive game there. I will say, when you look at Johnny Newton, disruption is certainly the name of the game for him. He, he has the first-step explosiveness almost of a pass rusher on the edge. They have him sometimes a little bit outside the tackle. It's not often, but he's done it, and he's over the tackle quite a bit as well. Uh, not as much in the B gap, very little in the A gap. So he had 14 reps, out, 14 snaps outside the tackle, 477 over the tackle, 162 in the B gap, and 69 in the A gap. Not planned, but I wanted to share those. I think the when you look at like I said, I think the his explosiveness with the first step uh, to pop out of his stance could probably go up against edge rushers. Like I said, I think you, you're probably going to see that a little bit uh, in terms of testing numbers, which I think will be fascinating to see. But with him, it's it, you know if you're asking him to, to attack a gap and disrupt, he's going to do that. He can convert that explosion to power. He's, he's pushing guards, centers, tackles back to the quarterback, what have you. 
and he's got violent hands. He can win with like kind of a jab outside, win with an inside move, club arm over very easily. He's got the hand swipes. He can push pull you. Is his hands like are well placed, violent, and really really impressive. Uh, highly successful. When he has the array of pass rush moves, and when he kind of gets into the bag, it's it's hard to stop. I think really, and, and he can sit and leverage one gap. I think it's really good there as long as he's low and anchored against the run. I think he he does a great job holding his gap, disengaging, and wrapping up. Like I said, they they put him outside a little bit and let him rush against tackles, and you could see the the power that was put on display and how helpless some of the tackles were against it. The quicks and change of direction are there. Like I said, he can win with some inside moves, but it's really how quick the hands can be combined with how quick that first step explosiveness is that creates the devastation up front. So he really is, I think, the full package. He's going to be a three-tech. You're not going to play him at nose tackle. He's not the type who's going to be able to handle double teams. He probably... At best, I think he's going to play a gap and a half. Asking him to two gap, I don't think is is the way. I think the real for me, I think the biggest concern with Newton is obviously you know gap attacking and kind of taking himself out of run plays. Other than that, I think it's sometimes his pad level gets too high. He's exploding out of his stance, but he's getting too upright. That's where he loses reps. As long as he stays low, his power is going to be tough to handle for anyone. So, I really like what Newton put on film last year. I think most people would agree with that. Uh, is he everybody's top defensive tackle? No. For me, I, it's going to be hard to challenge it. I've seen about 11 so far, and I, nobody's nobody's topped him. So I'll be interested to see if anybody can. There's a few that are high up on the list. We'll see. But again, I, I if he as long as he surpasses 50 pressures again, I think you'll see more conversions into sacks. I think that low sack number is maybe a little bit of an aberration. It doesn't show how good the, his process was and how good his game was. So getting into the pressure stats is really important. I think he crosses the 50 marker again, and I think we see close to eight or nine sacks this year. I'm going to throw out the prediction for him there. Uh, we'll take a short break and then get to the last five at maybe a little bit better pace than we've gotten these first five. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, guys, back with you on It's Always Draft Season. Two more edge rushers that I want to... No, no, three more. Yeah, we got three more. There's six edge rushers in this in this one. So let's start here uh, with Chop Robinson from Penn State. He is 6'3", 255. And I'll be honest... I went through the first run-through of watching Robinson, and I wasn't super impressed. 
Uh, didn't have a lot of games of Penn State defense, to be honest. And, of course, two of his two of his worst games, Michigan and Ohio State. But I think that's important to note because I think against top competition, there was a little bit more struggle than I anticipated. I think Dewan Jones gave him a lot of problems. Uh, and that definitely shows. Uh, and Michigan also gave him uh, a quite a bit of problems and that's that's a you know that's a joe moore to, joe moore award winner you know you got remington finalists and winners in there that's an offensive line that's not going away so it's something to note and i i put that in the weaknesses i mean against top competition it's it's a little bit hit or miss now the, the utah game the michigan state game he's got you know pass rush grades in the 80s and 90s i think the utah game he had like a nine i think it's a 91.5 yeah, pass rush grade, which is nuts. Had a ginormous game against Auburn, but let's get to the numbers first before we get to single games. He had a 90.6 grade last year, a 72.6 run defense grade, 45.3 tackling grade, 92.4 pass rush grade, and then 35 snaps in coverage, a 60.2 grade in coverage. Now, 48 pressures, 5 sacks, 17 stops, nine pressures against Auburn and Michigan State I believe he had eight eight yep against Utah so three giant games those were his best games of course did have five against Maryland four against Indiana so still had some some bigger games across the board there his pass rush productivity number is 10.7 now Chop Robinson's got really impressive first step explosiveness when he gets to that second and third step it's it's dangerous if you're not in the right position as a tackle because he's he's bendy and flexible too he can get low and dip around the edge and win that because he's also got powerful hands to swipe and rip he's going to make it difficult with that first step and subsequent two steps it's it's very difficult to handle but Obviously, some tackles that are bigger and have better length are going to be able to combat that a little bit, and it's going to force Chop Robinson to kind of be more uh, precise with landing the leverage points in the contact phase. And if he can do that, you know, and, and what I mean by leverage points is obviously getting in the right position with your hands, good hand placement. If you can get there, then he, he'll be able to combat it a little bit. But Dewan Jones had him pretty much stymied all game just because he couldn't get past that length so that's just something to watch for he's 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 very twitchy as well kind of like dallas turner a little bit he and he's still 255 so he's, he's got about you know 13 ish pounds on dallas turner and still doing this he shoots gaps but what's also interesting about him is he plays without gloves quite a bit and that's you know old school stuff we like that uh i do think that first step explosiveness converts to power pretty well uh and, and and with that explosion to power, he has good leverage. And he's and like I said, he plays low. That's always a good thing. Uh, you don't see him really rising out of that stance into you know an upright position. So when he's always low, it's it's a tough it's a tough mix. When you're playing low, you're playing with good leverage, you're playing with explosiveness, and you're playing with little power too. So, but he can dip and, and like I said, dip, rip, and and clear that tackle around the edge. The motor runs super hot, super hot. But, but, again, missed tackles. 26.7% missed tackles. That's got to be cleaned up like it needs to be cleaned up with Trice, like it needs to be cleaned up with Verse. Can't have that. I also don't think he's the best run defender. I'm actually surprised that his run defense grade is ahead, maybe? I got to go back and look now really quick. Yeah, I'm surprised his run defense grade is better than Trice's, to be honest. I thought Trice was a, clearly a better run defender than, than Robinson was. I just don't know if Robinson... It's funny because he plays with such good leverage as a pass rusher. He doesn't really hold up as well against the run uh, anchoring. I don't know if this, again, when he's playing more stationary, that that functional strength, he doesn't really know how to fire it as well. That could be something. That could be something I'll look back on and maybe just you know double check it with him. But I, I think he he loves to obviously as well, kind of like Turner. It's it's shooting gaps. He, he loves to try to make that play. He definitely shoots gaps at a high level, but it can take him out of plays 
uh, like I've talked about with Newton, like I've talked about a little bit with Turner as well. So that that's that's a common thread with all of those guys. But I really like Chop Robinson. It's it's hard to rank these six edge rushers, man. You have Verse, you have Trice, you have Turner, you have Robinson, and then two more that we're going to talk about as well. It's a tough group to pin down for sure. All right, let's go to uh, Liatu Latu. Liatu Latu, I think is how you pronounce that. That could be wrong. Uh, but Dame Brugler at The Athletic has him listed at 6 four and three quarters to 61 pretty bi- another big edge rusher uh the likes of, of trice and with latu the the grades uh, as i pull up the rest of his profile here just to double check we'll get to the numbers his pass rush productivity number is the highest of anybody it's 13.1 he is the leader in the clubhouse there. Had an 88.4 grade last season. 67 grade run defense. 42.8 tackling. Can any of these guys tackle? Dallas Turner apparently can. 91 pass rushing grade and in 24 coverage snaps had a 75.5 coverage grade. 65 pressures, a whopping number. Uh, nine against Alabama State but had double-digit pressures against Pitt in the bowl game, 13 to be exact. 12 sacks, 25 stops against the run, but a 30.6% missed tackle rate. Once again, missed tackles, really the common thread with Latu. But I think Latu takes a really measured approach to being a pass rusher, a lot like Verse does. That approach is really built on on how well he processes what's going on in the tackle's mind and how a tackle is responding to his movements. He loves the Euro step, the choppy steps to kind of set guys up. He has the club and arm over move. He's got the long arm move. He can swipe and rip. He flashes that inside move. I think he's more flexible than he's given credit for to get around the edge for a bigger guy. So he's got a lot of the moves, and I think he's got a really good plan of attack as a pass rusher. And now... You know, I think the motor's hot. He's pretty quick in terms of range, backside pursuit. He can do that at a pretty high level. And overall, I think you're going to see Latu jump up because of what we've seen here on this in terms of grading and some of the raw numbers here. We talked to Passwords Productivity, right? He had 65 pressures and 319 snaps. That's... It's really good, and he's converting too. 12 sacks, which is surprising uh, considering the tackle rate. Bowling Green, the first game of the season, 19.9 tackling grade. Not great. It got better, uh, but he still had a a 25.8 against Arizona, and I believe a 34 against Utah. So his two best games were against Alabama State and Stanford in terms of overall grade and pass rush grade. Not always the best there, but... Again, he he just sets guys up very well, has a good plan of attack. Now, the biggest thing with him, of course, is health. Had a neck injury after one season at Washington. Uh, I don't know. He didn't play a lot of snaps, so it had to be during that season in 2019. Missed two years and then came back. So a little bit more of a severe medical situation than, say, Jalen Phillips even. Phillips is still pretty close to that in terms of severity, but Phillips has so far been okay, which is awesome. So just something to look for for next season. Uh, can he stay healthy? We absolutely, of course, hope he can. He's a very talented edge rusher. He's really put it all together. I think he just needs to be more consistent uh, with body position and anchoring against the run. Again, another guy who has a higher run grade than Braylon Trice. I'm not sure how. That is the one. Th- that's the one thing I'm gonna fight back on is Braylon Trice against the run was better than than what PFF gives him credit for. So, yeah, Latu Latu, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with what I've seen. Now for the last edge rusher, uh, we'll talk about Ohio State's JT. Tui Maloau. Tui Maloau. 
uh, Ohio State, 6'4", 270. Another you know, big, powerful edge rusher. And I liked what I saw from him as well. Like I said, it's going to be hard to rank the top six. I think we're I think we're we're talking about him right now. Uh, I do think I will shout out Brian Moffey for a second, uh, who does great draft work, work with the database of prospects. He has Alabama's other edge rusher tabbed as his, I believe, number two edge rusher, if I'm not mistaken. I have to check him out. That could put us even more behind the eight ball in terms of how to rank seven edge rushers. We'll see, but just wanted to shout him out there because he did uh, take a look at I think it's I think it's Chris Braswell if I'm not mistaken that might be wrong so strike that from the record if it is let's get to let's get to uh, Tui Maloa now had a uh, 75.1 grade last year very much very much honestly inflated by the 70 or the 93 I'm sorry 0.5 grade against Penn State where he had a 92.8 pass rush grade and a 94 coverage grade because he had two picks. Uh, so a little inflated by that game, but 59.8 run defense grade, 44 tackling grade. For gosh sakes, can these guys tackle anyone? Uh, 83 pass rush grade and an 86.5 coverage grade. Again, probably inflated a little bit by that 94, but it was an impressive game for him. Uh, 32 pressure, 7 sacks. The pressures are pretty even across the board. Only had a high of 4 in any game this season. And had a pressure in every game except the Rutgers game. So pretty strong there. 22 stops, 25.8 missed tackle rate. So man, let's let's work on that. Um, obviously had two interceptions this year as well. The Penn State game was unreal. Uh pass productivity was 7.9, which I believe is slightly ahead of Robinson. No, it's it's ahead of Sorry, it's ahead of Turner, I think, who had a 7.3. Sorry. Uh, Robinson's was 10.9. With with Tui Maloa, I think I really liked what I saw in terms of the pass rush. I think it is extremely good. I think he has he has a really high football IQ when he's dropping into coverage, and that was very evident in the Penn State game. I think he, he's great at reading the quarterback's eyes. He can get into passing windows when he's dropping. But as a pass rusher... I think he's got a high football IQ with setting people up uh, in terms of his, his his pass rush moves, and he's got a he's got a good toolbox. And when it comes to inside spin, club arm over, double hand swipe, he's going to be you know a guy who's going to have to trim the edge. He's going to have to either push tackles back and kind of rip underneath, work to win inside. Or like I said, win with that inside spin, that club arm over, win with some swipes and counters. He's just not extremely explosive or bendy. That's not his game. But he has uh, to combat that you know lack of explosiveness and flexibility. There there is some some twitch in terms of lateral change of direction that that can help him work inside. Like I said, the spin moves really good, so he's he's doing a good job not wasting any movement with that and he's obviously got you know well-placed hands to kind of clear the tackle from recovering against the inside spin he's got pretty good length that's evident when he's you know doesn't have his hand in the dirt when he's kind of just in the two-point stance you can see how much length he has and that obviously causes some disruption and, and, and he can generate good good leverage with his initial strike he's got the bull rush obviously in the long arms in there as well so he doesn't really he's not somebody again like like Latu, I think, as well, and, and verse doesn't really tip the hand easy. And I believe he did have a forced fumble in the Penn State game. He's really good at chopping the quarterback. So that's that's good to note. Chop the quarterback's arm when he gets around to to getting to the quarterback. Obviously seven sacks last season. I think the the tackling definitely overruns some guys, gets out of position against the run. And I do think, you know, obviously sometimes combo blocks are coming his way and that's tough to handle And as any edge rusher. But I do think uh, he needs to utilize the length more against the run 
to stave off guys from getting into his chest. I think he's got enough power to handle things in the run game because he plays low and he's he's still a, a pretty good player in terms of generating leverage from the, being the low man with good body positioning. But I think he just has to utilize the length more and combine that with the power uh, to better set a strong edge. Otherwise, I think he's still somebody who should be getting the attention of a top edge rusher. Again, it's it's really peanuts that separate, I think, even two through six. I think Verse has, has firmly established himself at least as a pass rusher. But the rest can kind of probably, you know, battle for positioning as, as we get down the stretch towards the draft. So really impressed with Tui Malowau. Uh Wasn't sure how, you know, impressed I was going to be. There were definitely some kind of more measured and not as high of expectations from you know hearing some people talk about him so was was pleasantly surprised with his game all right two more guys here and we will call it a day i want to get to uh two corners maybe one won't be you know playing corner in the nfl but the majority of his snaps were there uh let's talk kalen king here for a second from penn state uh yeah when it comes to to King, it 5'11", 190, uh, had an 89 grade last year, 58.8 run defense grade, 53 tackling grade, and a 90.6 coverage grade. Uh, did miss six tackles for a rate of 14.3%. Um, he had three interceptions, nine pass breakups, and allowed a 48.9%. 48.9 passer rating sorry against him in 2022 so pretty good numbers across the board especially as a coverage player and i think that definitely shows uh he is definitely extremely competitive tough and physical that stems from press man coverage uh he is really just a dog he would fit in well with the Georgia with the Georgia defense, honestly, where he's being extremely disruptive. He drove Julian Fleming off the field once. Uh, he he'll he'll push you over. Uh, he will he will fight to the bitter end, impress, and he's got pretty good speed uh, to stay in the hip pocket, and he and he does a great job, really closing or at least really thinning down passing windows, especially on vertical routes. He squeezed to the sideline. You know, he's in a great position, really not even really in trail technique. He's really even. And when he can squeeze when he's even, he's giving himself favorable odds at the catch point, which he's also plays really physically. Uh, he has really good intelligence and really does a great job staying focused on what he needs to be focused on in terms of receivers where some guys you know get baited into what their head and shoulders are doing king does a great job looking at the core looking at you know sort of the abdomen of the receiver in terms of what what that tells him and he jumps routes and he can undercut stuff and that's where he makes his hay is understanding you know what receivers are doing how they're setting him up what routes are being run and he does a great job closing and cashing in when opportunity presents itself. Now that aggressiveness can get him into a bind a little bit, but I also think sometimes in transition, that quickness, sometimes he loses a little bit in transition. He's getting high hipped, but overall, again, another strong performer at corner last season. Uh, he blew up a lot of screens against Ohio state uh, he, I thought, really dominated in the Utah game and the bowl game as well. Challenging windows, going low to make some plays in terms of the interception. So I I like what I see. Uh, Dane Brugler highlighted patience as something he must improve, and I think with that type of aggressiveness, that's that's fair because I think if he also, if he whiffs and impress, he gets a little behind the eight ball and – with in terms of like quick jam technique so he's got to be careful there 
I also think he needs to be, I think, better transitioning when he's in soft press. I think Marvin Harrison got him a couple times where, you know, I think he was just a little bit flat and kind of expecting, you know, more window dressing in terms of a release. And and, and Harrison just kind of got him by blowing by him. And it was tough to recover against a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. So he'll be tested by him again this year. Him and Ibuka, I'm really excited about that matchup once again. So, man, Kalen King, really exciting. Will he be my corner two? Potentially. Uh, I, I think just depends on where this last guy plays, I will say. So let's get to that guy uh, because everybody wants to hear about him. I know Ryan and JJ both really like this guy, Cooper DeGene from Iowa. He's 6'1", 207. He's a little bit bigger than the corners we've mentioned already. And that size kind of opens the door to playing elsewhere. I will say, as we uh, as we look at DeGene here, uh, I'm going to go through the grades first, and then I'll go through alignment. So let's... 88.5 grade last season, 88.6 run defense grade. He's a 89 grade as a tackler. He's a phenomenal tackler. Uh, 88.3 coverage grade. And the coverage grade, I will say, goes up and down. Ohio State game coverage grade was a 45.7 against Wisconsin. It was an 80 uh, against Kentucky in the bowl game. I think it's a, it's a, like a 90.1. I'm trying to double check that. 89.1 uh sorry the row cuts off i don't know why he had an 84.8 coverage grade against iowa state so he's had good games there in terms of alignment uh he was at corner for 553 snaps in the slot for 140 in the box for 91 as probably a linebacker safety and then d line probably at the end man on the line of scrimmage i imagine for 30 snaps so he kind of moves all over. He had five interceptions, five pass breakups. I keep seeing – sometimes I see 13 pass breakups. I'll have to double-check on that, but it's one of those two. 49.7 passer rating when targeted. So, Cooper DeGene, what do we see? Well, I think you see versatility for one. I think that's the name of the game with Gene, I think you can ask him to play out wide at corner. He doesn't look out of place. He can play in the slot. Doesn't look out of place there. Linebacker safety hybrid player. He can do that. And and why he can do that is the tackling. He is phenomenal tackling in space. He's phenomenal, you know, flying downhill and run support, you know, blowing stuff up in the perimeter, getting into correct run fits, which again, when you're playing corner and you're moving in there, that's not normal. Uh, to be really good with run fits, that makes me think he can kind of play safety a little bit and, and in, in a defense that really isn't allowing him to necessarily be the single high. He gets to more fill from depth uh, in some quarters or two high looks. Just saying, not mentioning any team's names per se. De- you know, perhaps the one on this network, but... I think the other thing with with the gene is with those run fits, he does a great job, like I mentioned with King, in terms of he's kind of got his eyes on what your core is doing as a receiver when he's outside at playing corner. He does a great job of recognizing when receivers are gearing down, good transitional quicks, good closing speed flying downhill. Uh, I think... Really, with him, it's in zone, too. Great football intelligence, route concepts, very quick to understand what's happening in the play, understanding if you know if he's buzzing or if he needs to drop deep. He knows where he needs to be, gets eyes on the quarterback, uh, can break on the football, tracks the football well into his hands. He can kind of just do everything. Uh, with corner, I think the question with him is I think he's really good with transitional quicks on the break. It's just maybe more, can he close recovery space? 
So, you know, against Ohio State, there were times where he just kind of got a little bit out of position. I think he's got sufficient speed to play out there. I think he's got good bursts coming downhill. That's really coming from depth or purely on a vertical plane standpoint. I'm not so sure about the post game, the digs, the crossers, how well he's going to recover in that regard. But he lost a little bit to Fleming uh, in the Ohio State game on, on the deep post. So I think the the lateral struggles uh, in terms of coverage, especially in man, may kind of eliminate him from the slot role in the NFL. So that kind of either turns you to safety or corner. And with how well he thrives in zone and zone awareness and route concepts, makes me think the safety transition makes sense. That's going to be really something to follow all season long is, is how much he's playing corner, how much he's playing safety, how much he's playing slot. Because NFL teams are going to be keyed in on that because, again, he just makes plays. He makes plays everywhere he goes. So teams are going to try to figure out what that best position is. Could he have a hybrid role like, like Hamilton's role is in Baltimore? That's possible. Wouldn't rule that out. So I really loved what I saw from Cooper DeGene, though. I just think corner i think it can work safety it would be excellent slot i think it depends on who you're playing genuinely so he might be the do-it-all db that that teams need in this sort of modern day nfl where you know if guys are going to be sort of positionless on offense maybe get a little more positionless on defense with your defensive backs and that might be what cooper DeGene is so there you go guys three corners, a uh, defensive tackle, and six edge rushers this week. Ten guys wanted to get you ten uh, on defensive side of the ball. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. I'm excited to get into full positional previews and to Friday's pod. That's going to be really good. So stay tuned with the draft season because we're definitely going to be during the season hitting on some rookies and some second-year and third-year players in the NFL as well as what's going on in the college game. So We'll kind of keep it fresh as much as we can. We're not just going to necessarily hammer out prospects for Packers every week and make that half the show. It might be a little snippet at the beginning or end, but I've got good plans for this podcast, and it's obviously um, so much fun being on the network. So I will catch you guys Friday. Enjoy your Tuesday. And, um, yeah, college football is so, so close. See you guys.